to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I got the voicemail from my surgeon saying, you need to call me now. You need to come and see me now. This is extremely important. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Brandon is a father of two boys who had a very treatable form of cancer. After treatment, his doctors told him he was in the clear, but only a few months later, it was discovered that his body was absolutely riddled with cancer, and this time it was terminal. Brandon shares the brutal treatments he's endured, as well as how his family have handled the situation, including his young sons. Brandon, welcome to The Deep. Thank you for having me, Zoe. You are a friend, a colleague, someone I have known for about five years mm-hmm. and someone I have wanted to come on this show but haven't quite found the way. I don't know if I'm not going to be okay or I'm just not sure, but welcome. Thank you. Tell We'll get through uh, it together. <laughs> we've got the tissues. Yeah. Tell me currently mm-hmm. your health diagnosis. Currently, I am stage four terminal. Um, I have a cancer called myxoid liposarcoma, which is a cancer that attacks the connective tissues. It's um, generally found in adolescence, so it's quite rare for a 40-year-old male this year um, to uh, obviously get diagnosed with this disease, but it's not it's not uncommon. Um I have um, been battling since 2015 when I was first diagnosed. I was in remission for close to six years. Wow. And it unfortunately came back uh, 2021. And it came back really, really fast. I have, um, I've always had um, surveillance, obviously getting tested and seeing um Obviously, if I had uh, any more uh, cancer inside my body from 2015 after I had surgery and after I had radiation, and I was on a uh, protocol every six months, get uh, tested and seen if um, there was any cancer anywhere in my body, and for a total of uh, close to six years, um, NED, which is, yeah, no evidence of disease. Nothing at all. So I had... um, I did have uh, other issues in, in, in those six years with the, the, the cancer, obviously the resection of my tumour and uh, radiotherapy and I was dealing with that, um, but I got through that and then I was, yeah, basically back to normal and carrying on. There's two things I want to say straight up. You look so healthy. Mm-hmm. You look very well. You look very youthful. You look younger than I've ever seen you. I, f- I, um, I feel healthier than I've ever felt in my entire life. It's crazy. Your I complexion, yeah. your energy, yeah. your build, everything is it's, it, it's confusing. It confuses me. And I'm the person who's been told that I'm, and I am currently, it's going to kill me from my oncologist. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty intense. 
but I look up, get up every day, look at myself in the mirror, and I have people seeing me every day in the street, and every day I'm walking or I'm doing my pro- like different protocols that I do for my um for myself, and it blows my mind. I just yeah, I don't understand how I can be so sick but feel and look so well. So when you were in remission yep. for the six years, and then you did your next checkup. Yep. Was that just a routine check or did you feel unwell? I had um, no symptoms after that. I had, I've had i got a neurotic pain as well, but I've managed to, to have that sorted um, and dealt with. But um, I started having a, um, a small pain in my back and um, it was probably four months after I had been told I'm in the clear. It made it five years. Um, just for context, generally if you with uh, sarcoma, if you've been... NED for five years, 95% of the time they say, you're, you're done. clean, you're done, you're out, you make it. You're and I got that, I, I actually got that um, freedom. Four months. Yeah, for four months basically. And I, I never I never thought I'd um, I'd come back to this. And um, when I saw my surgeon who was doing my, my testing throughout the, um, uh, the, the six years, he, um, he just said to me, he goes, mate, you've made it out, you're sweet, you're good. We won't ever see you again. If we need to check you up, we'll um, you know, we'll see you every two years. I was oh like, wow, fine, fantastic, yeah. Just for my peace of mind, I said to him also, I wanted to make sure. Yeah. So it's you that caught the six months. You called the six month test. Yeah. But it would have been two years. Yeah. But um, I had to bring that six month test into it because I had um, severe pain in my my left back. I just thought it was a sciatic nerve. Yeah. I've like, what's a- the pain of cancer like? Um, for me. I think I had the most pain when I was getting treated. Um, yeah, of course. I had never had any my, with my sarcoma because it was first um, found in my, my thigh, my right thigh. Is a sarcoma the tumour? Tumour. Okay, sarcoma. Yeah. Sar- yep. Sarcoma. Sarcoma. Sarcoma, yep. And there's different variants of them. There's a few different ones. Ones are generally my one's mixed soil sarcoma, which is the connective tissue. Then there's osteosarcoma. There's a few are Ewing sarcoma, which are all bone related. So, is this genetic? No. This is this is bad luck. Exactly right, and that's exactly what my oncologist told me. And every person that I spoke to in this field has said that this is just bad luck. Because, like, I guess when you're diagnosed, you go, "What have I done? Did I smoke? Did I drink too much tequila? Did I eat too many burgers? Did <laughs> yeah. I not go for a run?" Right, you do all of that. Exactly right, and none you of try that. and process. Yeah, I don't. I never smoked. Um, I wasn't. A, I wasn't a big drinker. I was uh, obviously just a workaholic. I'm a chef by trade. Possibly my diet could have triggered it. Um, but What about stress then? Stress was, I think stress, what I've been told in the last couple of years, stress is a massive factor. Yeah. Um, and I go back to um, working crazy hours, um, 80 to 90 hours a week from maybe the age of 16 and up. Okay. So I think, and then progressively- I think, um, and my heart tells me that stress was the underlying factor that's just triggered my disease. And I think with all cancer diagnoses, somewhat stress is probably the major factor. I'm not sure if it was you or Lou Mm -hmm. that told me that you had heard my very first episode I ever did of this podcast. Would have been Louisa. Was it? I think so, yeah. She was like, I think we're going to reach out. Yep. And... For everyone that needs context, if you haven't listened to the first episode, what are you doing? (laughs) But um, the first episode is about a mother who has a very small child who is given, uh, I think, a very different diagnosis but the same terminal Terminal stage stage four. four. Uh, You're going to die, get your life in order. And she went over and just wouldn't accept that Mm -hmm. and went and found this place, which um, I guess is quite controversial Mm -hmm. to some, called Hope for Mexico. Hope for Cancer in Mexico, yeah. Hope for Cancer in Mexico. And I'm not like promoting them. I've got nothing to do with them. This is just her story and your story. So you- Very similar. You say, or or Lou says, I've heard of this thing. Mm -hmm. And what do you think? Are you traditionally a Western doctor dude? I was. Um, I was always down the line with obviously with the treatment. Um, when it when it, I came out of remission, I had no choice. Um, I was told if I didn't stop, if I didn't have any chemotherapy or um, any treatment with our Western side medicine, I wouldn't be here. And I I I think exactly I wouldn't be here because my cancer was it came back so aggressive. I like uh, we spoke before, it was October 
I got the all clear. Um, and then I started popping back up in March when I started having a sore, sore lower back. And then within, I think it was April, um, I was, I was probably a week before, yeah, week before Mother's Day before I got re diagnosed again. Um, I was in the most pain I've ever been in my life. And I just thought it was sciatic nerve, sciatic nerve pain because it's just on one, one side of my leg mm. and in my groin and in my, and just in my lower abdomen. And, um, I knew there was something sinister because I had pain and then, Every time I'd be walking somewhere, I'd just end up on the ground. I'd fall over. So I knew there was an issue. And um, I was continuing to work. I was working through that and I was just dealing, managing the pain just with paracetamol. I'll think to myself, it's nothing. It's and I, it's nothing. It's just going to be, you know, the sonic nerve. And um, unfortunately, when I had MRI, when I saw my professor and he said to me, he goes, unfortunately, mate, we've uh, seen some lesions. And I, I knew from when he told me that. I didn't even have the diagnosis yet. I knew when he said lesions on my spine, I knew it was my psychic nerve. I knew it was something uh, a bit more um, to worry about. The first time you were diagnosed, was it stage four terminal? No, it was not even stage one. And I, actually, they didn't actually give me a stage until um, I asked, and I'm pretty sure they said it was yeah stage one. So it's 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 very treatable, and um, the the way that they treat you is if you is just resection and then just radiotherapy, and I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole of, okay, I've got this disease. I need to like try and get rid of it. I just went with the Western medicine side and said, mm. that's it. I'm done. You know? And then obviously have the, and I had no other hiccups throughout those couple of years. And I thought to myself, I'm out. I made, I made it, you know? So, so when he says to you, you got lesions, mm -hmm. is that the same conversation he gives you a diagnosis? Yes. So this was my, I had a professor that uh, obviously um, I went to first because I've got a pain stimulator in my back from my severe pain that was caused from my first cancer. Oh. So I should elaborate with that. And um, what's a simulator? Stimulator. Stimulator. So after I had been diagnosed, uh, sorry, after I had done all my therapies I um, and I had recovered from surgery, it was probably, I was on a crutch for about a year and a half. Oh. So I was, I've got severe neurotic pain. Um, oh, so regardless, yeah. as, a, as a byproduct of that from experience. The, from the experience, first time. from the radiotherapy and, the sur and taking out the, the tumor. So this is why it's confusing to you because yes. you thought this was just the same thing you deal with on and off yeah, throughout your life. Exactly. And and, um, and obviously, with uh, I've got a, a medical device which is called the stimulator, which is a nerve stimulator, which is implanted exactly where I had the f the pain when uh. I first yes when it came back, and I thought that was everything to do with obviously just the stimulator because I've got um, two prods that are into my yes. spine, into my L four and L five, and um, I just thought it was either something had grown or my nerve was getting pushed on, and that was giving me the severe pain. So I wasn't not, not even expecting. When I when I saw my pain professor, that there'd be anything even wrong. No, I just thought it was the the the, the device was pushing on a, on a nerve. On something. And then obviously when he sent me for an MRI, and within the next the, the week after when I saw him, and he's the one who said to me, "There's lesions on your spine," and he goes, "It's nothing to worry about. We don't know." But when generally they say lesions, lesions aren't good in any aspect of um, uh, in any any. Uh, he said you're fine. It's all good. Yes. Don't, so he, he, but I think. Him saying that was to help me. Not panic. Yes. And I wasn't, I was, I was a little panicked. The only thing I was panicked about was the, <laughs> I took my young boy with me. Oh, fuck. Yes. So I had my youngest boy, Cruz. How old are your kids? Cru I've got Christian who's uh, 15 this year and Cruz is turning 12 this year in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, Cruz is only nine. And um, that was uh, obviously in April. And he came with me thinking it was nothing because I was on a yeah, Saturday. Yeah, of course. You're like it was popping on a Saturday. in. That's right. Popping in a Saturday. It's a routine. Obviously, it's a routine thing. Obviously, it's not. Uh, it's a professor, pain professor. It's nothing to do with cancer. It's to do with my stimulator. Mm. He came with me. We're sitting next to me. And when my professor said it's lesions, he said nothing to worry about. Obviously, to help. To yeah. the scenario. That's exactly right. And then when Get I- Get your son out of here. Yeah, let's talk. That's Yes, exactly right. But we didn't do that. We just- I, I settled. Okay, I know what it is now. Um, I'll speak to my uh, orthopedic surgeon who's part of my cancer team and um, and then we'll go from there. So we took him outside and got in the car and went along, went back. It was Saturday day. We'll take my boy to football and that was it. That's all I wanted to know about it. Are you, so you're not spiraling? Not yet. Didn't start You can spiral. shelve this. Shelved it. 
shelved it completely. Oh, which is yeah, which is what a talent. People uh, I meet and that know my story continue to say my even my mum, my dad, my family, friends. They ask me how do you do it, and I said I don't know. <laughs> I think um, either I've trained my mind, and I have done a lot of um, work with obviously. Um, when I first got diagnosed with a bit of a therapist and I learnt meditation and uh, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of uh, spiritual breathing, um, wow. things that I would never even expect like that I would as a, a obviously a, a male would um, actually, you know, go, th- go through. But it opened up my eyes and it trained and helped my mind 100%. And I tell a lot of people and anyone who's in, um, obviously in my situation or anyone who's going through something. Well, you told me when I was spiraling, you, you need, said, just breathe. Like you need breathe. to focus on the breath. Breath. And so funny because when you're in your fight or flight, the yep. last thing you want to do is sit still no, and be right. with your breath. Exactly right. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. When do you talk to the next doctor. So I had when I saw him uh, within a week, and obviously because my professor also spoke to him, so it must have been quite urgent. Um, I still remember it was probably uh, mid, just after, just before Anzac Day. I had a scan um, that uh, the surgeon um, sent me for, and that was just uh, an MRI and a CT. So it was around about the time just before Mother's Day, um, and I was meant to see him on the Monday, the eleventh, and we had Mother's Day the day before. Um, and I remember the, the, on the, I think it was a Thursday and the Friday and the Saturday, I kept getting missed calls from a number that I didn't know. And if I don't know a number, I'm, I'm pretty private. I like to just, if, not it, if it's not important, don't answer it. I don't leave a message. Exactly right. Or I, they can send me a text. Okay. Um, and so I just went with that process and then I got a voicemail on a Saturday and I think I was working on a Saturday before Mother's Day. Uh, yeah, before Mother's Day, I had an event on, two events. So I was too busy and I was in a lot of pain. I wasn't worried about who's ringing me. I just wanted to get through this. Did you think this is the oncologist? No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because so um, <laughs> I'm so high alert. I'd yeah, be like. <laughs> exactly right. I, obviously because I was so busy. Yeah, and I didn't want, and I had so many. Uh, I knew I was uh, there was something wrong, and I was in. And maybe that's like a coping mechanism. I think it was. I think it is, and keeping busy was a coping mechanism mm. back then. And um, yeah, so I I got through the um, the the sad day, and then we had Mother's Day on the Sunday, and we went uh, just with the family, went out, and I was seeing my the doctor on this Monday, so I'm like, I can wait till Monday. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have a great uh, finish the weekend off. It's with my family my wife you know the, and um, went out to lunch and then I still remember going going to my next event to go see my mum on the um, on the trip home uh, sorry trip back from the restaurant we were going to I said oh I might as well just I don't even know why I might as well just see who called me on yesterday and I got the voicemail from my surgeon saying you need to call me now you need to come and see me now this is extremely important and that was Sunday night 6 30 and i'm thinking to myself oh okay wow i should have really answered those phone calls or i should have checked that voicemail yesterday he he had been calling since thursday yeah friday Friday, saturday sunday Sunday. and And i didn't call yeah i I received his voice message on sunday and you were going to go see him anyway next day monday Monday, which is my son's but the fact that he's like busting your balls yeah so obviously i i thought to myself oh okay this is serious after hearing from him on this, on the, through the voicemail, and I said, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to see my mum. Um, go spend some time on the Sunday evening. She knew we we're going to. She was going to come with me anyway. With my, oh, with Louisa. She? Yeah, yeah, with Louisa, and um, and and my boys because my boy's birthday the next day. So yes, unfortunately, um, had a nice Sunday day. So heard the message when I saw my mum. Didn't think anything of it. I knew there was obviously something there because he was ringing me, telling me. And I just, I just, I just shelved it. I didn't want to hear of it, and I knew you're was, going the next day. Yeah, anyway, I was going the next day, but I, yeah. And uh, but you yeah. didn't take your son with you. Unfortunately, we did because we had already organised for his birthday to go somewhere for his birthday, so the boys came with me, and which is something I probably wouldn't do again. Um, but I think it was because of I didn't want to accept that if they're there, it's not going to happen. That's right. And I took my mum, and if my mum's there, it ain't going to happen. And I was 
I just thought, no, it mustn't. It's not going to be, not going to be cancer. I just got told it's not going to, it's not going to be back because I had been told five months earlier that in, completely in the clear. So yeah, we walked in and yeah, sat down, waited for him to come, come in. He came and got me. I looked at his face and I couldn't tell because I generally like to, you know, sometimes you can tell with surgeons, but surgeons are very good. Anyone in that industry are very good. Like with a poker like, face. Yeah, they've got a great poker face. Got um, into his into his office. Is and, it all of you in Yeah, the all office? of us. Yeah, all of us. I'll, Was yeah. he like, okay, I'll just see you. Oh, so. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, you know exactly what he's going to say. <laughs> okay. You know, and as soon as he walked in, he's like, I sat down and he said, okay, Brendan, um, I think it would be best off if your the kids wouldn't be here. And as soon as he said that, I went, oh, gosh. I knew straight away. I knew. And I think I knew when I got the phone call on his voice message the other day, uh, the day before. And, yeah, he, um, the boys walked out. And I, the, my Christian, obviously, is a bit older, so he was a bit more in tune. Um, and Cruz, uh, he'd, they've obviously seen me go through the processes, but they didn't, they've never seen me ill or... Um, well, physically ill, only with obviously the first uh, surgery, but they were too young. They were quite young. Chris was only five, and Chris was only three. Uh, sorry, mm. yeah, three or four. So yeah, they um they 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 went out on their own accord, and he just sat down, and and I've never seen a um, and doctors like I said, I said he got had a poker face, but his face, as soon as my kids walked out, was dread, and I just went, just tell me, doc, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, sorry, what do you mean? He's like, it's back. And I'm like. What do you mean it's back? He goes, it's it's everywhere. And I'm like, what do you mean it's everywhere? Mm. How can it be everywhere? I I just got scanned four, four, four months, months four, four, what, 16 weeks ago. How can it be back that quick? How can the scan? And he's like, this thing is an absolute beast. It's it's back and it's back in the spine. It's back in the pelvis. It's in your ribs. It's in your lung. It's in your kidney. It's in your liver. And I'm like... And I broke down. I broke down, looked at my mum. My mum started crying. Lou was crying. I got up and I still remember I just cried for about 30 seconds. I asked him, what do you mean it's back? How can it be back? And I'm like, no, okay. Stop crying. Breathe. Got to deal with it. Like that, just like that. 30 seconds. I think it was about, for me it felt like 30 seconds. It might have been a minute. Sure. And I said to him, okay, what are we going to do? And he's like, you need to, we're going straight away. You're going across the road straight away. Today. Today now. And you're getting measured up and you'll start, we're going to have a PET scan and that's the next scan, obviously. But he goes, you're going to go see the radio, you're going to go see Dr. Hong um, and we're going to treat the uh, where the pain, where the pain is. And I'm like, what do you mean the pain? He goes, your pain is coming from your spine. It's not coming from your stimulator. It's coming from those lesions that detected an MRI. We had another MRI, the CT scan. The MRI has seen the tumour wrapped around your uh, L4 and L5, where my leads are from. And he's like, and then the CT scan showed it's in your organs as well. And he goes, it's, I'm sorry. I don't, he didn't know, I'd never seen, I'd been seeing him for years and I'd, and I'd never seen him so apologetic. <laughs> Or so human-like, because surgeons aren't human-like. Yeah. They're very regimented. They're, like I said, they're very structured and when, when they speak to their, their patients. And he never gave me anything, but I could see. I knew I was in a bit of strife. So, yeah, I got up and I told my mum it's okay. I told Lou, I said, it's okay. We'll, it's okay. We're going to see what it is and we'll deal with it. And then it was, oh, I think... Um, was, was that the day he says the stage? No, because he's only the surgeon. It's not up to him to determine. So oh. yes, because I've got a team. I've got the, the surgeon, and then he's. I've got my radiotherapy doctor who does the radiation oncology, and I've never had a a, a chemo oncologist before, and I had to get introduced to one because I've never had chemotherapy before. So generally, the person uh, like the chemo doctor. He's the one who gives you the diagnosis. Yeah, diagnosis. The correct diagnosis. Correct yeah. diagnosis. Okay. Yeah. So at this point. You just know somehow there is cancer all throughout your body. Everywhere. And you have to go and have treatment today. I had to go and get ready to have treatment. So, uh. yeah, so because it's a, a process. So as soon as he, he he wanted to target straight away the, obviously, the, the spine, which is causing me the pain. So 
that's directly straight over to the radio th- uh, to radio- radiology department and they do radiation. Mm-hmm. So walking out, he told me exactly what I would do. You've got to go across the road. She's waiting for you. It was all prepared. I walked. It was already done. So they'd known obviously since the Thursday and they'd had already prepared it, that day, which is really quick, which is, yeah, it's not like getting an appointment six weeks. And then yeah. so they knew it was urgent, had to be done. And I knew it had to be done because this thing was obviously – now that I knew that I was on my wrapped around my spine, the cancer was hugging the nerves in my spine, which was creating. Are oh, you in so much pain? Pain, and they knew I had to have this plan in place, ready done. So, got up, apologized to my doctor. I don't know why I apologized to him and said thank you for, and I'm sorry. And he's like, "What are you sorry for?" He goes, "You need to get over there now. We're going to beat this." And I was got a bit of, you know, gusto, gusto about you? it, and then I had to walk outside and see my kids. Oh my god. <laughs> which was intense and um i think they i think my oldest one knew my little one he um he was older now and he and he obviously they must have seen my face and i burst into tears when i saw him mm. and i think i cried for about a minute or two and i hugged the boys and and i said it's okay boys dad's dad's been through it before i'm i'm going to continue to go through it i'm going to beat it i think that was uh, that's pretty much what i said to them Sucked it up. Let's go. <laughs> my mum and my, my my wife were like, and Louise were just, I think they were just very um, shocked. They're in tears. Like, and obviously me being so in tears and pretty regimental. What are the boys with? doing when you tell them? Um, I don't think they, they didn't know what to do. I could see in their eyes. They weren't upset. They weren't. No they blank. they, they needed a little bit more information. They don't know what that exactly means. Exactly means. right. And I didn't want to give them the information as um, I had just found it because I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, and I, I never really talked to them about uh, – they knew I was I had cancer, but they didn't specifically know what what it is and what it does. So I think they were a bit blindsided too because they don't they, they could see me crying. And then they know what cancer is, but they don't know what it's going to affect my – how it's going to affect our lives. And from that day, I still remember their faces. I won't, I won't ever forget it. And it's no, his birthday. And it's my little one's birthday. But that, I think to myself I had a bit more gusto because I knew it was his birthday and I didn't even – and it's hard to say because I wasn't expecting to have that diagnosis. I was expecting to get told it was something in my spine, we'll mm. r- remove it, didn't think it was cancer, mm. go along, have his day and that was it. Do you feel dissociated? Are you detached? Do you from the the yeah. trauma of it? I think I am. Like yeah, I think from the from. I think yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty intense. Um, thinking about it now, I think I just cut it off. Thinking no, I know it's there. I um, I can deal with it. Probably a very healthy survival mechanism. I think right? so. Uh, I I've been told that um. Obviously, with some people, they get diagnoses and they fall apart. And I didn't want to fall apart. And I, I, I've never been the one to fall apart. I've always uh, tried to hold things, you know, strong. Um, and I, I'm very emotional. I'm not saying that I'm emotional. I'm cancer, cancerian, so, which is funny. Wow. Yeah, so I'm very emotional. Very, very emotional. Yeah, and um, sensitive. Sensitive and, um, and I, would, I would never think like that. Um, but... I just wanted to get on with it and I just wanted to deal with, try and deal with it and try and make sure I think my mum, my family, especially my wife and my kids didn't have to deal with it, but they are dealing with it because it's it affects here. everyone in your family. So Not you, just family, anyone and everyone. Every single person you tell. Anyone I meet. Anyone I meet. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They um, had the plan ready to go. They marked me up, got me on the bed. They measured me up. They take all the, the photos, x-rays on the, the, the radiation machine. And then I went and saw my onco- uh, the radio oncologist and she's like, we need to start straight away. You're starting in like 
it was the Monday. I think I started on the Thursday. So I did a couple of days because I have to had, had to go and have a PET scan. Wow. And a PET scan is to see exactly where everything They're going is. In. But unfortunately with my unlucky, and that's what obviously we go back to luck, with the surveillance of my cancer, the PET scan um, doesn't show. Oh. Yes. So that's, a, that's what I learned as well. So obviously um, MRIs and CT scans were the best mechanism to – obviously locate the disease. Mm -hmm. I was only getting MRIs and CT scans on my lungs because when generally they say within the first five years, if there's any um, recurrence, it metastasizes in your lungs. It always metastasizes in your lungs. So you're saying the testing that you had been getting wasn't showing up your – so how long was this cancer in your body? Um, I don't know. And obviously when I had my lungs – my lungs – obviously checked in the five months there was nothing there and then when they do surveillance of my thigh and my my leg which mm. where the cancer the primary cancer was that's all they were surveillancing so there was nothing else getting surveillance shit so yeah that's right so i could have had it could have been there could have been dormant could have been small which was and then for years perhaps uh yeah possibly because it would didn't show up in the pet scan um but i think um when it came back because it was back in the lungs the, it had uh, come. It had come within a couple of weeks. Okay, so it yep, could have been yep. dormant in my and spine, it, which mm-hmm. was getting a, a, a higher spine, or my ribs, or my shoulder, which I've I've also got it in, or my or my my kidney, because they, they wouldn't they couldn't see it through the um the the, the CT scans and the MRI because it wasn't going to locate it. But yeah, go and have the pet, PET scan, and the PET scan didn't show up. It only showed up like the certain spots. Because this cancer is tricky. I want to move on because mm-hmm. I want to talk. We've got so much to cover. Yep. We haven't got to Mexico yet. Yeah, well. <laughs> we haven't got to the kids. We haven't got to yep. work. Yep. We we go in, we, we do radio, we meet the oncologist yep. for the chemo. Yep. It's different, oncologist. Yes, so radio first. So you have first. this whole team. Yep, surgeon, radiotherapist. Uh, Red oncologist, sorry, and uh, chemo. You're meeting all these people. You meet the chemo doctor, which mm-hmm. is the one that diagnoses you, mm-hmm. right? At this point, you're just treating, treating lesions re- and that's things. That's correct, yep. When you sit down with this person, mm-hmm. what is it? What do you get? Straight away, he um, was uh, pretty intense. After I finished radiotherapy, eight days of that, it killed the um, the, the, the pain and obviously- Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, pain went straight away, which is- Wow. I'm very blessed with uh, well with this type of treatment. Radiation is not good for you, but this cancer hates it. Hates it. It kills it. It doesn't like it. it. It yeah. So I was lucky like that. Within I think I was in, in excruciating pain, um, more pain than I've ever felt in my life. Obviously, it is intense. Yeah. Um, I know mothers obviously have Child pain. Birth. Yeah, and I can't obviously, but compare, I but, I, it's compare, but I think I think it was quite it's similar. Up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and within I think it was four or five days after I had it. Um, I, the radiation on the spine, I, I could feel the pain go away and I got function on my left leg again. And that was, I only had eight treatments, high dose, but I did get knocked over. I got, um, after my eighth dose, um, it was the, yeah, it was two weeks cause they do it in five days a week, two days off, and then you gotta go back for your next. So it was basically two weeks of radiotherapy. And, um, I had, um, another week before I had to go see my, uh, oncologist to meet an oncologist and I ended up in hospital because I got apparently got radiation sickness through the radiation yeah intense so wow. I, was, I was crook I was on my mum's birthday I still remember it and um, what's I'd, the symptoms I had severe vomiting I ended up in hospital for three days um probably a couple of days after my radiotherapy and okay. it was intense so yeah we um, got through that met my uh, my oncologist and he's like we're starting straight away. Um, it's everywhere, and this is what we're going to do. Started um, one of the drugs is called uh, well the only drug. Well, from what I've um, was to, was told, there was only one thing available for me, and this was this type of ke- uh, chemo, and that was all I had left. So from getting told that um, I had ke- the cancer come back to getting treated. And then obviously being told for the, the spine and then being told that I had um, to have chemotherapy, but this was the only one I had available. I was like, oh, this is strange. Didn't think anything of it. You know, I thought to myself, only one available. People yeah. have lots of things available. What's going on here? 
I just went with the flow. I listened to him and then he said to me, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to put you on chemo for six months and we're going hard. At, and it's called, the the chemo we're giving is called uh, Deroxrubicin, which they call the Red Devil. And the reason that is, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not, not nice. The Red Devil is probably um, one of the most potent cancer for this type of, and I think they do obviously offer it for other types of cancers, but this was, yeah, another level. So I um yeah started um having the chemotherapy on I think it was the first first week or second week of June and I continued having that for six months six months so every three weeks I'd have chemo then I'd have a, a test and see if it was working then we'd do more and continue to do more like that did and then, the cancer hate it too the red devil um for the first two. Um, my cycles. first two cycles, um, it slowly deteriorated some of the lesions and some of the tumors in my body. Um, but I think it was uh, the third one that had just stabilized. So it didn't grow, but the chemo didn't push anything else out. Okay. So I had um, yeah stabilization, which is fantastic. Okay, I've lost some some uh, tumors um, had reduced in size, which is what chemotherapy is for is either to reduce them or to kill them. But in context, they don't. Um, if it doesn't kill them, as long as it stabilizes them, then you can live. Deal, deal with it. You know, hopefully, yeah, deal At with it. At this point, though, do you mm-hmm. know what you're fighting? Nope. I he hasn't told he's you. Told, I, I know what I'm fighting. I know. I knew that I had um, obviously multiple tumors, but I didn't know how bad it was. And I, I think it was probably my fourth cycle that I got a phone call from um, my insurance company. I'm very confused. Yes. Okay, please continue. So was because I. I'm very confused so how you don't know what's I happening. I didn't. I didn't know, and I think maybe it could have been down to me asking. But generally, when you're in a situation like that, you don't want to ask. You just want to know where you're at. The essentials. Essentials, and um, I'm. I, I don't know. Obviously, I think the the system, in a way, is a little broken. Mm. A lot of people are sick. I'm not the only one. I go and see, and everyone's touched by it. And it's a, a lot of people. Um, have cancer and are dealing with it. So I just think there's there wasn't enough or he and his team, because he's got a lot of registers too, they weren't communicating enough. Uh, so one time I'd speak and during obviously it was also during a lockdown. Oh, yes, shit. So part, partially during lockdown, the, tw- the, the second lockdown we had. So we're doing things over telehealth. And so I'd finish my chemotherapy and then they'd ring me and I'd be cooked for a good two and a half weeks, get up and then I'd, I'd be able to – uh, speak to them and uh, they'd be telling me how I'm progressing, but not in person, over the phone, but majority through, um, sorry, Zooms. But every time I had, um, I didn't, I never had uh, my, my, my direct oncologist. I always had one of his registers or some other register. So it was, I think it was a bit of loss in translation. So he didn't know that they hadn't told me, hence Shit, call. so everyone there knows but you and but they're me, all assuming the other person of the, and that's what the ha- other team member, exactly the other right. nurse, the other doctor has said. Exactly something. right. And I got a phone call on I think it was my third cycle in between, um, from my superannuation company. I didn't have it so I didn't have life insurance, I had superannuation. And uh, my super company uh said to me, I've I've just uh, just need to follow up with a few things. Um I've got some documents that we're gonna send out to you that you have to sign. I said, Oh, what documents are they? She goes, I said it's for my income uh, protection insurance because I had income protection. Um and I was trying to get that processed obviously through the, the systems of obviously having the chemo because I wasn't working. And she says, No, it's not that. Um We've just been advised that we're paying out your terminal insurance. I'm like, terminal? What do you mean terminal insurance? She goes, yeah, you've got terminal terminal insurance on your um on on your policy. How would you like it paid? I'm like, what do you mean how do I like it paid? She's like, I said I haven't been told that I'm terminal yet. She's like, oh, poor thing. I felt sorry oh, for her. Oh, holy and shit! And I don't think she's ever. I don't think anyone in that situation's ever had training to deal with that. I'm like, what do you mean terminal? She's like, oh, didn't the, your oncologist tell you? I said, no. She goes, well, he signed all these papers for you to get your terminal insurance paid out. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Okay. Can I get back to you? She's like, yes, she totally understood. And uh, So you found out through my super a customer, in, service customer service person on the phone that, from I, was your... ter- well, that I was terminal. 
I might have been a bit naive, obviously, but I'm not. I don't think I was. I don't think so. I just think the process was, um, yeah, pretty, pretty intense. So when you call your doctor, are you pissed? Um, not really. Uh, I should. I would. I should have been. I should have been. Cra- and I had a lot of anger from not just not me, but everyone. Obviously, my mum, my wife, my friends, people I know, um, good friends that are with me. Um, and following, obviously, following the journey itself, and 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 I was obviously getting, um, you know, feedback from them, just you know, because they want to see how things are going, and they're telling me things, and I'm telling them things, and they're like, "This is not right. This shouldn't happen." And I, you know what? It shouldn't have happened, but it did. And um, when I uh, spoke to him, I spoke to the regist- his register, and I still remember, she's like, "Oh, we we thought we told you," and I'm like, "No," and he's like, "Oh, didn't they go- they tell you?" I'm like. No one told me. No one told me. I had to hear from my, 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 like you said, a customer service agent from my super. I said, "What am I dealing with? I'm yes. having this chemotherapy, but what state? What? What am what I doing?" Yes. And then he said to me, and he was, he went white as a ghost. He knew he was. Is this chemo doctor? Yes. Yeah. yeah he was, like, uh, apologetic beyond. Because I, I, I just thought to myself, obviously, yep, chemotherapy. It's going to kill it or it's going to stabilise it. Okay, what do I do from there? I didn't know it was life-threatening. And then he sat me and then in the same phone call, he said, mate, I, I really apologise and it will never happen again. I said, of course I won't because I'm going to be recording everything that's going on. I got told to record everything. And obviously with not being there in person or and obviously it's on Zoom, obviously things get lost and it's, the world was chaotic, obviously, with, with COVID at that time, but it's no excuse in a way. And he said the same thing. It's no excuse. I apologize. And then I had the had the conversation with him and he said directly, he goes, mate, unfortunately, this is going to kill you. And I'm like, okay, I will I know now? I said, but he goes, your terminal, your stage four, which is the worst stage, nothing else after that. He goes, this disease is going to kill you. And I'm like... I appreciate you telling me <laughs> three months into treatment. Okay, I said, what's the best case scenario? And he says, I've got patients that could live six months. I've got patients that have lived two years and I've got another patient that's lived eight years. And I said, so what do you think? He's like, the way we're tracking, it could be one year, it could be two years, I'm not sure. And I said, you don't know, do you? And he's like, they don't know. <laughs> so they're just telling you what they they're guessing, Fact, they're guessing off, off their, their, they're guessing the off evidence. their of the evidence that they've they've got in front of them. And I said, okay. I said, well, from this day forward, I said, you said you've got a patient that's eight years. I said, I'll I'll, I'll beat that eight years. So I was deter- determined. I'll quadruple. I said, I'll- I said, I'll beat that eight years. You you you, you know, I'm going to continue, and I'm just going to keep going and going. You'll see me till I'm hopefully 60, 70, 80. And then I let it process a bit, and I said to myself, maybe I'm being a bit too forthcoming and I said doc just do me a favor I said I said as long as I can get to my youngest boy's 21st birthday that's going to be the goal I said because I from what you're telling me no one survived past these years well I'm going to need he said you're going to need a miracle and I believe in miracles and I think I um, believe in them I think um I think that having having um being told that the only way I'm going to get better is obviously a miracle. And he's like, unfortunately, he goes, there's only a couple more things we can do. And um, if it, you know, if you, if you don't start tracking better, then there's nothing else we can do. I'm like, okay, so we go. So I did the other three cycles, got to November and just out of lockdown and uh, had uh, the scan and the scans had showed disability. So nothing had changed from cycle three. And I was happy with that, and my doctor was happy with that because it didn't change. So yeah, I um, decided to continue to live life. I had just gone through chemotherapy. He told me we'll see you in, in um, three months. Like not do nothing for three. Do months? nothing three months. They want you to just do enough just to balance every three months. So and just twelve like weeks recover. Unless yeah, recover because chemotherapy was horrible. Knocked me for absolute. I've I'd heard ne- the worst of the worst. It was stories. the worst of the worst. I don't. Um. I I felt like death warmed up, and that's nice. I think to say it was horrible, and you would have unfortunately seen it. My wife seen it with unfortunately as well. So I was trying to be as strong as I could, but 
I hadn't prepared myself for how how ill I felt and how ill I was. Um, I think it was the, f- the fifth cycle I ended up in hospital because I um, I wasn't eating. I felt like I was just I was just there. It's like a ghost of yourself. Yeah, I wasn't living, and I was lucky in a way because. In, sorry, I wasn't lucky, but I, I think I was because life had stopped because of COVID. Yeah. So I, everything was closed. Obviously, the worst thing was my family couldn't come and see me. Yeah. Um, and which was hard on everyone. My friends couldn't come and see me. Yeah. Um, and all the support I had, so much support. Um, obviously with social media and like obviously messaging and and I, it, that's what obviously gets you through because you can't have that contact and a lot mm. of people need contact, but at that. That time, I think it was good that I didn't have the best the, thing for you to yeah. just the energy you were energy holding. Energy was all in. just held in, and I was in bed for weeks. Yeah. Like obviously after each cycle, and then I had a good couple of days, and I'd get smashed again, and it just felt like yeah, you just. How are the kids and and Lou with all of this? Your wife, watching this. Lou's very very strong. She's um, strongest woman I know, just like my mum. I'm very blessed to have two amazing. Women in my life, and um, and I've I, well, obviously a lot of women around around me are the key to me getting through this journey. Um, friends and um, uh, and uh, my sister in law as well. Um, just they 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 did a lot. But mm. looking at my wife, my wife Lou is she's been through it too. Her, she lost her mum unfortunately. I know this is the which is oof. hard. So she's had to deal with her mum passing away when she was 14 and that's what's not fair what it's not fair in life and life sometimes isn't fair and i never thought she'd have to go through it ever again she's her mother and you generally your mum your dad and the person you fall in love with you don't expect them to get sick you know Mm. her mum got sick passed away then she's having to she had to deal with that she looked after her 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 family her, her dad her sister her brother from the age of 14 so she'd grown up she's my wife she's 40 but she's like a She's an old soul. <laughs> mm. She's very, very mature because she had she had no choice. She lost her her teenage years because she had to look after her her her, her younger sister, her older brother, and her dad. She took on that mm. the, the maternal and the motherly um, acts, uh, you know. And she, I, I knew I I couldn't believe it when I got first got diagnosed. Cause I said, "How can life be so cruel to one person?" Mm. I, I wasn't worried about myself. Yeah, I was worried about her because yeah. she lost her mum. And now she's having to deal with her husband, mm. you know, going down the same way. And then, obviously, when I got when I was first sick, I made through it, so it was fine. Life was fine. This time, it was different. And yeah, she is robust, mm. amazing. She took it on. She obviously was upset, but she knew if she stopped, the kids would stop. Mm-hmm. I'd stop. Um, and everyone else around would have stopped. So She's she just gets on with it, rough as <laughs> just powers through. No matter what storm she's going through, absolutely. And that's, I think, what gets me through. I've seen her strength, and I think mm. that's what's given me strength. Mm. And I think the kids, obviously, the kids are a different story, but they're strong to a certain aspect. They're very, very dependent on me. <laughs> They take it. Um, I think they've taken a lot in the last like, last two years, and that's like they don't want to leave my side. It's very hard for them to adjust, you know. And it's more of a like a separation anxiety yeah, it now, is. And, it, and it has affected them a lot, especially the oldest one. The youngest one is he's he's a bit um, he he's emotional, um, but he's a bit more like his mum. But my oldest one is like attached. And he's feeling things. Yeah, he feels it, and it's been hard for him. And he's it's shown in his in his day to day life, and it's shown he's strong and he's very um, resilient. He's very outgoing. He's got a lot of things going for him, but he's just a, he knows obviously I'm crook, and he doesn't want to let me go. Yeah. And anywhere I go, anywhere I am, if I'm not there, um, he's like, "Where's dad? What's what's going on? Where's dad?" Or you know, if I can't, I can't leave. Mm. Louisa can go overseas. She can go up the coast. She can do anything she wants, <laughs> which is sad. It, it, not sad, but it's that's it's it's. Mum can go. It's okay. Dad, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. So that's where it's hard. So we've got um, in the process of getting um, obviously evolved, uh, with with his school and counselors and mm. and things like in canteen, um, trying to help him and and obviously the crews to try and um, see 
where they're at, which mm. is another aspect we have to go through, which is huge. It's huge. And that's and trauma, like having that trauma um, at such a young age. I never had trauma like that. I never lost any any family. I hadn't, I hadn't seen cancer in my, 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 when I was that young or anyone sick for that, for that, you know, reason. And it was, I had my grandparents, they lived till there, you know, my grandparents, grandfather lived till I was, I was 90, wow. just before my youngest one was born. So he never saw death and he never saw sickness, you know. Mm. So seeing his dad crook, um, I think it's, it's, it's changed him a lot, which is, and it's brought on a bit more trauma for him, which is um, something that I've learned um, throughout my, my uh, last, last two years. Um, trauma was a big thing and underlying trauma things you don't think about could obviously cause things like this so i've yeah this journey's teaching me continuously mm-hmm. i'm learning continuously this was part one of my chat with brendan next week i'll be releasing part two which discusses some of the more unconventional treatments that brendan's been through i'll see you there i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the deep If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.